0: Hi there, it's Mark from Third Shot Sports. You're listening to Pickleball Problems. All right, and welcome to the show. Pickleball Problems is the podcast where we solve your pickleball problems. Give us a call at 1 833 Picklebee. That's 1-833-742-5532. Now, if you've been a longtime listener to the show, you know that it's typically I, Mark Rennison, that answers your questions. Well, I'm very happy to announce that this week I'm not going to be your professional pickleball problem solver. We've brought in a special guest. Now, if you've been around the pickleball world, this name will be very familiar to you, Tyson McGuffin. He's taken the pickleball scene by storm over the last couple years. He's won basically every tournament that there's out there to win, uh, uh, including the most recent USAPA National Championships in singles. Tyson, welcome to the show. Mark, thanks for having me, man. Uh, it's a pleasure. So I hear uh, you're in an airport somewhere. Where are you?
1: Yeah, I'm in I'm in Spokane, uh, getting ready to head to Palm Springs for a couple of days. Yep, sitting here actually having a goose IPA and a, and a large glass of water and uh,
0: talking to you. That sounds good. It sounds like you have very few pickleball problems right now. That's nice. I, I do. I, I do life's good, man. <laughs> All right. Well uh let's let's get right to it. So um our first problem comes from Deb in Tweed, Ontario, Canada.
2: I'm wondering if you can help with a problem that other people in small towns may also experience. I drive forty five minutes each way to my closest pickleball facility. It's a community center which uses portable nets on badminton courts. I can play three times a week with good competitive players who are at my level or higher, so that part is great. Format, as it is, is really working well for open play. The problem is that we have no facility or opportunity to practice outside that format. We do have separate times for beginners, novice, and intermediate, advanced, but the community center is committed to um, making their programs accessible to anybody who wants to participate so they're not really interested in creating a club or tournament time.
3: Uh what
2: I'm wondering is do you have any tips for those of us who only get to practice under game conditions? Got it.
1: Well Deb, um, you know, I think there's some stuff you could do behind the scenes, uh in your garage against the door. You could do some drilling. I know there's a bunch of videos on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, you know, also too, maybe maybe you're not playing, maybe you're just watching videos at home and you're um, you know, taking a look at pro matches and pro doubles matches and kind of picking up on a couple of things that they're doing. Yeah, so um, so I
0: guess what she like what she's saying, and I think you can probably relate to this, right? Like, I mean, you have a lot of good players around you, but I'm guessing that when you play open play matches or just rec play, like, you're the best one on the court. So does that mean that there's nothing correct. you can do while you're playing those rec matches to improve? Or is there something that you can, like... Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Like, like yeah, even within yeah. the context yeah. of a match um what can you do to right. improve
1: yeah so you know um if i'm wrapped uh, a couple of, let's say are not at my skill level um you know i might be some situational stuff i might be working on things let's say uh if i'm playing with some four or fives i might only work on um keeping the ball soft but i mean i would say uh you know give yourself give yourself a goal beforehand and try to focus on that goal
0: Right. So what about something like, um, like when I watch you return serves when you're playing, like you look so deliberate in like where you're hitting them. So what if I'm playing um, a match with a weaker player and I know that if I hit it to their backhand, they're going to blow it and and we can't play. Like, would this be a good chance where I could sort of focus on returning, right. like, let's say specifically to their forehand so they can get that ball back in the court? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think the end goal is making everybody do as much play as possible, and 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 not not focusing on just being successful, in which we all love doing, and I totally get it. But uh, we've got to throw our pride away for a little bit and focus on, um, you know, what's gonna what's gonna benefit everybody on that court. And yeah, that's probably aiming more towards their stronger side. Um, that's probably slowing the game down a little bit. Maybe that's taking a couple high balls and just putting the ball back in play. Um, but I think I think you kind of know where I'm going with this.
0: I got you. Okay. That's uh, helpful. Yeah, it's tough. Like that's sort of often the case, especially in Canada where we have indoor courts, where Like you only have indoor options and often there's no more time besides the open play. So you better get the most out of it that you can. Hey listeners, it's Mark here. This episode of Pickleball Problems is brought to you by 31 Solo Pickleball Drills. It's a drill guide that I wrote for people who want to practice, want to get better at pickleball, but don't always have a partner handy. 31 Solo Pickleball Drills is full of fun and useful activities that you can do whether you've got a pickleball court to work with or just a wall. Head over to thirdshotsports.com, and if you use the promo code PROBLEMS, you'll save yourself some money. 31 Solo Pickleball Drills, made for you. Okay, Tyson, our next pickleball problem comes from Dave in Toronto, Canada.
1: I'm looking for advice how to play against a serve That is a backhand slice landing in the front outside corner just over the kitchen line, spinning out of reach. I rarely see it at tournaments, but come across it often in local club play. There are players that don't, these are usually players that don't go to tournaments and don't typically play tournament style pickleball. I'm sure it is a legal serve, but it is frustrating as hell playing against somebody who always does it as most players can't get to that corner quick enough. I would consider it a low percentage serve as they miss as often as they get it in. Would you consider playing the return from inside the back line and then just back up if it's a long serve? I can't find any videos that address this
0: kind of service serve. Uh, maybe you could consider making one. Is there something he can do sort of in anticipation of these short angled spinny serves out to the back end. So is there something he can do to get ready to be able to handle them better?
1: Somebody spinning the serve out wide. Well, first off, Dave, I think we could be cheating over a little bit and then taking that serve away from him, like off the bat. Um, you know, uh, I, I think, I think a lot of players tend to like try to like disguise their positioning by being in like a neutral stance or being in like a neutral spot, like right in the middle. Uh I mean if I'm if I'm getting beat on one particular serve, I'm gonna cheat to that side and basically take away that side and force my opponent to to have to go up the middle, to have to go up the key. Um uh, but I mean I think I think at the end of the day you should just take it away from him and already cheat to that side.
0: So force him to do something other than the thing that's being really effective.
1: Take take away his bread and butter and and make him go to a different target.
0: Right. Now it sounds like, um, Dave was also saying it's not just the fact that it's spinny and that it's like quite wide, but this guy also seems to like really sort of short serve him, right? It's landing just past the kitchen, which is why the guy has some problems with the consistency. So does it also make sense to like change, not just where he's standing, like left and right, but also how far up or back he's standing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say cheat up in the court. Um, but you know, just be, just be aware of that. If you, if you get cheating up in the court, he might throw a couple serves deep, um, just to kind of keep, kind of keep you honest, and I think I think the end, uh, end, end goal is cheating up a little bit, moving to your laps, taking that serve away from him, and then, uh, and then forcing him to hit a different serve.
0: Right. Nice. So it's, so it's not always about you hitting your best shot. Sometimes it's about making your opponents hit something that they don't like.
1: Yeah, I your opponents play outside of their comfort zone and making them, you know, choose their targets wisely because you're going to take it away.
0: Gotcha. Okay, great. Okay, Pam in Essex, Massachusetts.
3: Hi, Mark. It was really good to see you in Danvers last month. I had fun at your clinics. Uh, I meant to ask, but I didn't get to, about your advice for when in rec play you should or must uh, stop the game due to a ball rolling under the court or who knows, whatever kind of mayhem might be happening behind baseline. You know, in the middle of a dink rally, everybody hates to stop and play the point over, but the opponent yelling, play it or don't stop when a ball is like. Dangerously close to their feet. Yeah, it's almost more distracting than the ball itself. So uh, you play on, and then at the end of the point, they ask you, Did that ball bother you? Well, if you won the point, you're a jerk if you say, Nope. And if you lost the point, uh, Yep, that's the wrong answer. So looking through the rule book, the Hinder rule seems vague enough to be mm, pretty much useless. So when does something interfere? What do you think, Mark? Do we need a clearer rule or just a better level of agreement about when to call a hinder? Looking forward to your answer.
0: No, no it's this, not oh, something. This is, this I know that this is this is the worst, right? And it's <laughs> going to come. They're in a dinking rally. People are yelling at them. That there's a ball. There's a ball. Like, what do you do? How do you how do you decide sort of when to stop play because of a ball? And how do you decide when to just play on? <laughs> So I'm,
1: I'm very lax on this issue. Um, I know that if there's, if there's a ball in my vision and it's at the back of the court, I actually continue play just because, you know, there's, there's a lot of times where we're stuck in these facilities where all the courts are tight across each court, left and right, you know? So I think, I I think there's a sense that you try to get the most play as you can. Um, But I mean, in my mind, you know, if if it's at the back of the court and it really doesn't bother you, I wouldn't say anything. If it's, you know, teetering around the baseline or even past the baseline, I'm going to try to continue play. Um, But I mean, I think, I think every venue is different, you know, like, you know, I think you probably need to be more, more lax if the, if the courts are like a lot tighter and you're seeing a lot of that, you know, maybe if the courts are nice and spread out, then it's a little different. You know what I mean?
0: Right. So like if, if you're playing in a tight space and every time a ball comes on the court, you stop play, it's going to take a long time to get through a full game because you're always going to be stopping play to remove those balls. Correction. Right. And then. So, if we, so yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, we're just getting an incoming call from our lawyer right now who is saying, oh, no, for liability reasons, you should stop play every time the ball comes on the court. Um, so, our, our lawyer is <laughs> yeah. now satisfied. Pickleball problems, Tyson McGuffin, Mark Renson are saying, yes, yes, of course, you should always stop and be safe. But in practical terms, when you're out there playing with your buddies, when we're at the tournaments and you're training, if there's a ball that comes on the court that's not putting someone in immediate danger, you might use what some people would call common sense and say, hey, it's not actually going to interfere. It's not a real risk. Play on. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, totally correct.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if somebody's going to step on it and roll their ankle or if there's any sort of safety issue, yes, please stop play. But, yeah, if you're, you know, if the ball's at the back of the baseline and you're playing with some buddies or you're in a tight situation where there's a lot of courts and it, and things are extremely close, then then
0: yeah, I would just continue play. This isn't Pam's question at all, but this is mine. So let's say, I don't know, um, I'm playing beside you. And you and your buddies, you're playing this game, and I hit a ball that accidentally rolls onto your court, but behind, back at the baseline. And I see that you guys keep playing. What's my responsibility as the one who accidentally hit the ball onto your court? Like, how should I handle that? Should I go running, chasing after it? Should I be yelling at you? Like, what's what's the right way for me as the... Ball hitter from the wrong court. How am I supposed to handle that? Well,
1: well, I know, I know. In 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 tennis terms, um, you, uh, yeah, it's tricky. Uh <laughs>
0: that, you, you, Tyson, yeah. that is why we have you on the show because I don't want to have to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? I mean, honestly, if it's not affecting anybody and nobody's gonna get hurt, I'm gonna let them play the point out. Honestly, I'm gonna let them play the point out. And, I mean, shoot, if it's a 30-ball point, you know, and, and, there's a, and there's a beautiful point going on, I'm not going to interfere with it. Um, now, if the ball rolls inside the court and by their feet, I, I believe now it's your job to say, hey, watch out, there's, there's a ball in play. Um, you know what I mean? So, so yes, yeah, definitely interfere play if, if somebody's going to get hurt or if the ball is right next to their feet. But, you know, if if the ball is back at the baseline and it's not affecting anybody, I would simply let the point play on and just wait till they're done.
0: Gotcha. That that seems like uh, that seems like very sensible advice to me, Um, (laughs) even though our lawyers might not like it. (laughs) It is a tough one. Tyson, this is a tough running a podcast is a tough job here.
3: In the beginning, we gave you unlimited power and asked just one thing in return. Just one thing. Just keep it in. What were we thinking? Mistakes were made, lives were lost, but this time, just relax. We've got you covered. Selkirk, power, control, no compromise.
0: In case you're just joining us, I'm here with uh, Tyson McGuffin, the pickleball wonder kid, the golden boys winning all the tournaments and he's been kind enough to come on here and uh, join us to answer some of our pickleball problems. Our next problem comes from Parker, um, and Parker, I think, was on Facebook, and he has had a very specific question just for you. He wants to know: he can see what you're doing on the court, he sees you running around, he sees all that stuff. He wants to know what is going on between your ears. What is it that you're thinking about during the match? And he wanted to know specifically: what do you think about, especially on the key points?
1: Yeah. So, in between my ears, throughout matches, I'm trying to focus on. I'm, I'm trying to focus on uh, just staying alert, being patient. Focusing on my routines, my routine before my serve, my uh, routine before my return, and then also too, you know, um, just taking my time. Uh, all, all, all last year and even like the year before, I was like the type of guy where I was just getting way too upbeat and 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 just uh, I was just getting way too excited up there. And with with that, I was actually cramping a lot. So I've actually changed a lot of my a lot of my ways. I'm, I'm much more level-based, uh, I'm much more kind of plateau. I don't get too high, don't get too low. Um, I try to stay focused on every point. And then, yeah, on on, on bigger points, I actually take more time. I'm sure uh, if you've noticed in some of my singles videos, um, I, I tend to stall a little bit, um, I'm not gonna lie. If, if the ball gets hit <laughs> to me and I'm, I'm about to serve, yeah. I, I usually drop it on the ground and kick it around a little bit and then go to my towel. And, and that's kind of my way of. Let my opponents know, hey, things are going to happen on my terms. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, it's just mentally staying with it, not getting too high, not getting too low, um, you know, picking up on go-to patterns, picking up on patterns that are not working, and then keeping a foot on the gas pedal if it's plenty working. Um, but, I mean, singles is a roller coaster, you know. It's so also, too, it's a, it, it's a matter of in between matches, staying hydrated, taking your potassium pills and, and like, electrolyte pills and, um, and just um, – you know, eating, eating light all day and making sure that you're ready for the next match. So,
0: so I can imagine a lot of, a lot of our listeners who are like rec pickleball players, um, thinking, wow, that sounds great. Being focused and working on your routines and trying to be level and all this stuff. And I can imagine a lot of people thinking when I'm playing pickleball, all of a sudden some random thing just pops into my head. Like I start thinking about, what's my cat doing, right? What am I having for dinner tonight? Like, are my kids home from school yet? Like, do you, like, I know that happens to me, but you, as an elite player, like, as much as you're trying to think about levels and stay focused and what patterns are working and what aren't, do you have those random thoughts that still come into your head as well? Do you still, you know, does does the, the cat pop into your head? Does the, you know, the movie you just watched recent, recently come in? Like, is there something that goes on where um, you just get you know, surprised by a, a yeah, random thought? Yeah. Right. You know what? I actually have a
1: great answer. So, uh, why I hired on Morgan was because I was getting lost in the court. Not thinking about a girl in, in a in a bikini or anything, but um, I just think in terms of I just I just I just wasn't able to stay mentally focused. I was I was too upbeat, um, you know. And there was a lot of matches that I lost without Morgan, especially to Ben Johns that I was up. So so now with having Morgan, um, I'm sure that you see, uh, and like a lot of tennis players do this, but I actually look at Morgan a lot just for like support to kind of keep me focused. So I have a guy to go to that like alleviates all those those little random thoughts in my head, um, if that makes any sense.
0: It, do, it does. And actually, um, that leads to sort of one of the other questions I have. This one's from Annie on Facebook. And Annie wanted to know, because maybe not everyone knows this, so um, Morgan Evans, he's another high-level player. Um, he's also part of Team Selkirk. And uh, he's been working with you as a coach um, in a very sort of notable relationship, right? People, people notice this. This is one of the first times that we're now really seeing a coach prominently working with a singles player. Um, so Annie wanted to know what is the most important thing you learned from Morgan? And um, before you answer that question, I'd let you know that Morgan actually answered this question already. Um, he told us that the most important thing that he was able to teach you um, had to do with hairstyling. Oh God. Is that you're, you're, learning, you're learning how to like, how to keep that hair look great um, from Morgan. So I, I don't know if that's the same answer you've got, but Annie would love to know um, what is the most important thing you've learned from Morgan? um so first off you know he
1: uh Annie, if you if you know morgan he's from perth australia he's uh he's, he's very goofy nice guy so we we just sound chemistry like right off the bat and i think one of the biggest things that i got from him was uh, just just uh, not be so one-dimensional um i was a little predictable like with my patterns i didn't have much variety in my singles game so he just kind of opened up the doors uh gave me like a brand new vision to so to branch off with. Um, um, but I I think from like a focus standpoint, he made me like really dial in not to be too down, just kind of focus on the present, focus on what's going on and point by point. Um, when I, when I did have Morgan, I would tend to kind of float five or 10 points ahead and I I would kind of, um, I'd get, I'd get lost by basically thinking ahead and, and not playing point by point. I think, I think there's a, there's a huge sense of like, when I take my timeouts, um, just having somebody there that's comforting, that's calm, and hearing his
0: voice, um, it just kind of makes me relax and makes me play better. so it sounds like a lot of it, it it's it's less about technique and it's you know to some extent about tactics and changing patterns, but very much it's sort of the psychological aspect. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Staying, thing more mentally focused. Me just believing in myself. Me believing that I could, I could use patterns that were kind of out of my comfort zone that I didn't think I had. I mean, he just he opened up like a whole new wave of ideas that I didn't think I could implement. Um, and 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 it just it just makes a big difference. Like having like an extra set of eyes looking in, seeing what's going on. Because as a player, when you're in the moment, you have no idea. You know what I mean? And I think there's going to be a lot of players that are going to pick up on the pick up on this idea, that. Uh, I mean, there's there's so many little variables that that like you really don't see when you're in the moment, like when you're on the court. But somebody looking in, it's totally different. You know, they have a fresh set of eyes, and they can they can uh, pick and choose kind of what's going on um, as as what you see in the tennis world, right? I mean, everybody has a coach out there, obviously. Why? Because because like an extra of eyes goes a goes a very long ways. I think so.
0: Okay. Lastly, uh, Ted uh, Ted Bryson wants to know. As a as a skilled player, as an elite player, you know, people watch you, they think, man, this guy can hit every shot. Ted wants to know what skill are you working on? What skill do you wish that you had that isn't quite there or isn't there to your satisfaction right now? What are you what are you working on to improve as a player? And my guess here is that Ted is talking um less about sort of psychological skills, right? You've already talked about how you're really improving those. But are there are there physical or technical or tactical skills that um, that you want to add to your your toolkit?
1: Yeah. So some of the things that I'm working on is in doubles, I tend to back up a lot. I tend to overswing on my forehand. Um, I tend to kind of have my weight on my heels. Um, so I'm really I'm really focused on just having better posture, um, being a little bit being a little bit wider, um, and and also too uh, my my ready position has been a little bit too tucked into me. I've been trying to like extend my hands a bit more and and be a lot more aggressive uh, with that first volley versus blocking the first volley. I tend to be a little safe because my hands are so tucked into me. Um, so I think just in general, that whole area of being more efficient in a, in a volley exchange, leaning in a bit more, um, looking to slide and get spacing on my volleys versus, versus get all tucked in and get jammed. Um, so yeah, just, just anything wrapped around, you know, cleaning up my volleys and cleaning up my positioning being a little bit quicker as far as getting spacing when I when I'm when I'm in a volley exchange.
0: It sounds almost like you're you're looking at developing some technical skills that are helping you to actually be more offensive minded in those situations. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Because yeah. it's one of the things we're seeing, right, as the game evolves and as it gets faster and as the players get better, is that there's um, more and more of this push towards hitting Hitting more balls that are not just neutral balls or defensive shots, but actually turning those into offensive opportunities. Is that, is that what you're seeing too? That's,
1: yep, that's that's spot on. And I mean, you're you're starting to see guys with you know um, like a lot more leverage, and they're leaning in more, and they're taking balls at their shoelaces, and they're rolling them back at you. So I think you know people are like disguising a lot more. The game's getting a lot more. Uh, A lot more on the offensive side and then it just seems like everybody's hands are just getting so stinking good so if you don't disguise the ball um from like below the net i mean the ball comes screaming back in a hurry um so it's funny how just like i feel like the level of doubles has improved so much um and and singles is a bit more limited i mean you, you basically see like the top you know three or four guys um at the same tournament um so so, yeah, I think, you know, I am definitely looking to improve my doubles, looking to get on the podium a little bit. Last year, I'm not going to lie, Matt Goble and I ended up taking fourth at way too many sinking tournaments, and we never ended up on that podium. So
0: that's the, that's the goal this year. <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, fourth, fourth was like her middle name. Yeah, I think. <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, okay, that's great. Uh, so one more thing I want to do with you before we talk about what's going on with you and, and what you're up to is um, I want to play a little game with you called Good Idea, Bad Idea. Here's how it works. This is like a rapid fire game. It's rapid fire. You you get like half a second to think. Um, I'm going to ask you or I'm going to suggest something and all you have to do is tell me if it's a good idea or a bad idea. Okay, good idea or bad idea? One single universal ball for all pickleball. Great idea. Good idea or bad idea? Going back to wooden paddles. Uh, Bad idea. Good idea or bad idea? Moving the kitchen line back a little bit. Bad idea. Good idea. Bad idea. I, I'm, oh yes. Unless
1: you're playing somebody who's
0: six <laughs> ten. Then it's a good idea. <laughs> you're, you're playing John. Is- and you're, you're playing John Isner, and It's a good idea to move <laughs> that line back. Do it his butt back. Yeah. While uh, while you're at it, you might as well move the baseline back too. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. Good yeah. idea. Bad idea. Third shot drives. <laughs> uh good idea good idea bad idea third shot lob terrible idea (laughs) good idea bad idea on court coaching we got a great idea good idea bad idea rally scoring uh bad idea good idea bad idea high socks uh good idea good idea bad idea uh cut off t-shirts Uh, Terrible idea. (laughs) Uh, Good idea, bad idea. Bandanas? Uh, Bad idea. (laughs) Good idea, bad idea. Having different paddles that are different weights? Uh, Bad idea. And lastly, good idea or bad idea, sliding on hard courts? Good idea. Uh, do you want to tell our listeners anything that you're up to that you've got coming up? I know you've got a new paddle. It's been all over the internet that people are seeing you playing at tournaments with this mystery paddle that's out there that we hear is a prototype. Um, do you want to tell us anything about that?
1: I, I, I love my old Maxima. Um, I just kind of felt like I was losing some of the hitting zone because it was so limited. Um, so I had them go just a touch wider, um, and they took a little bit off the length. Um, they added some handle as well. Um, so, so, yeah, it's called the Invicta. Um, I can't really say much about it, but, uh, you know, I, I won the Palm Springs tournament, go, go Selkirk. Um, but, uh, so far so good. Um, I love the paddle and, and just in terms of, of dinking and volleying and being at the kitchen line and just knowing that I have a wider circus space, um, just, just makes it like, a lot more comfortable.
0: Right. So it sounds like this paddle, um, you know, still has that little bit of extra length, which a lot of people like. It's not quite as narrow as the Maxima. And I know a lot of people, you know, they really loved certain aspects of the Omni because it is a bit longer. It's only a little bit narrower, but you're right. The Omni has a very short handle. And so is, is that one of the major differences here is that it's got that slightly longer handle. So it feels um, more like some of the more traditional paddles.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, basically it's it's right in between a Maxima and an Omni. Um, so, you know, if you're using the Maxima and you're thinking, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit too skinny, or if you're using the Omni and you're thinking, well, I, I think I, I want some more length on my handle, this is this is the paddle for you.
0: So That's great. And I think last time I talked to the Selkirk guys, uh, we're looking at sort of probably a mid to late May release. They're just waiting to finish all the USAPA uh, approval testing. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. And what else you got going on? Any uh, any trips, any clinics that people, I know people love working with you as a coach. Uh, anything that people can get involved with um, if they want to spend some time on court with you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I actually just took a new job. Uh, uh, I'm in Spokane, Washington. I'm the director of tennis and pickleball um, at a club called North Park Athletic Club. If you guys are ever in Spokane, Washington, look me up. Basically, for like the next I'm not going to lie. for like the next four months. I'm actually traveling each weekend and I'm doing camps or I'm playing tournaments and the US Open here in two weeks. I'll be in Naples for 10 days um i have a camp in seattle the weekend after that that first week in may um the third week in um, may i'll be in atlanta playing the big atlanta tournament and then directly after that i'll be um i'll be going to brigham city for the memorial tournament but yeah a couple of the big camps i have coming up um if you guys want to come to if you guys want to go to costa rica so um, I'll be teaching a camp in Costa Rica, uh, July 22nd through July 29th. Um, it's at a five-star all-inclusive resort. Should be lots of fun, so you guys should join me. Also, too, if you guys want to check out Trace Palapas in Las Burellas, Mexico, we'll be a week-long camp, um, October 21st through October 28th. It is beautiful down there. I was actually just down there about two months ago teaching a camp, and I mean, it's it's awesome. I mean, it's it's um, authentic Mexico. That's for sure. Um, you can you can kite surf. You can paddleboard. You can take your four-wheeler up to the waterfalls. Everybody's hiking. Everybody's being super active. And then on top of that, everything's wrapped around Trace Palapas. So Trace Palapas is a pickleball resort. Um, there's 10 courts. They have a little restaurant. Um, and so it's a, it's a cool little spot. So yeah, If you have any questions or anything, feel free to contact me. So
0: I'd love to have you guys. That's sweet. And what is the best way? If people do want well to get in touch with you, what do they do? Just look you up on Facebook or Google Tyson yeah, McGuffin? Yeah. Is that the best way to do it? No. <laughs> no, yeah.
1: Please, please look me up on Facebook and just send me a a message. Uh, send me a message on Facebook Messenger. Whether it's on my just basic uh, Tyson McGuffin page or it's on my Tyson McGuffin uh, pickleball page. Either way.
0: Awesome. Sounds great, uh, Tyson. I really appreciate you making the time. Have a safe trip to California, and uh, I'll see you next week in Florida. Thanks again, Mark. Take care. Okay. Bye. and we'll leave it there. Thanks to everyone who called in this week. If you have a pickleball problem you'd like us to address, give me a call. That's 1-833-PICKLE-B, 1-833-742-5532. I mentioned to Tyson I'd be seeing him next week. The 2018 U.S. Open is happening in Naples, Florida at the end of April, and I will be down there competing and coaching and taking a whole bunch of video. As well, I'm going to be doing the color commentary for CBS Sports, so... You'll be able to catch some of that action online. If you want to see what it's like down there, but you're not going to be in Naples yourself, I suggest you head over to our Instagram page, instagram.com slash thirdshotsports. We take pictures, we post videos and clips and all sorts of great stuff. So head over to thirdshotsports.com or head over to our Instagram page and uh, you can also find us on Facebook. All right. Thanks for listening and see you next time.